Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church, an outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. Why don't we open our Bibles to the book of Acts in chapter 6. Jumping down to verse 8, it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose some from then, and some people rose up, began to persecute Stephen. And, and the Bible says in verse 11, jumping to verse 11, it says, uh, Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place, and against the law. How many people know none of this is true? None of this is true. They're lying. This is an organized lie. This is what we might call today fake news. <laughs> fake news. And it's, all kind, it's a conspiracy. All these people have gathered together. They've all come together to make up this lie, to really, you know, to validate that, yeah, oh yeah, I was there, I heard this. This is all pre-planned. Do you think stuff like that goes on today? <laughs> then why do you keep watching it? I mean, so much of it is really just a big lie. It's a big lie. It's just people working together in the media and in politics and wherever else in our society to just make up stories, to lie, and to create some kind of narrative that they want everybody to, to believe, but yet it's not true. And we see it right here. We get, we get a little in, you know, a little behind the scenes of how they did it to Stephen. Now, we read it and we can see it clearly, and yet you look and you see all these people, it says they stirred up the people. They stirred up the people. And all the people got stirred up by all this fake news, by all this lying, all this deception that was going on. And you and I should never get stirred up by anything like this. Whether it's in the news, someone's talking in the church, wherever it is, at work, whatever's going on, you hear something, somebody else says something, and then you start thinking about it, and next thing you know, you get all stirred up and worked up about it, and you're right there, a part of the big lie. And you know, there's really no excuse for you and I to be caught up in a lie, because you and I have the spirit of truth living on the inside of us. We have the spirit of truth, and he reveals to us what's right, and what's wrong? In fact, hold your place here and you look over at um, 1 John chapter 2. Verse 19. Well, let's look at verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist 
is coming. Even now many antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. So there's a lot of folks that they're against Christ. They're against Christ. Now you might think these folks are just out there in the secular world among the heathen. But no, not, not only they, not only out there. Look at verse 19. They went out from us. In other words, they were in the church. They were a part of the church. They went out from us, but they were not of us. They never were really of us. They went out from us, but they never really were of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. They were never really of us. But, verse 20, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. See, that verse 20, when you put it in its context, specifically here, he's talking about knowing those who are of the truth. And those who are not of the truth, those who are a lie, they pretend to be something, but they're the opposite. And so if they pretend to be something that they're not, then you know there's lots of false information coming out of their life. But you have an anointing of the Holy One, and you know better. You know better than to get all stirred up by lies, by rumors, People get so stirred up with rumors, you know, even around this, this past election, there were so many rumors, there were so many lies, there was so much hype, there was so much stuff going on, all this information blowing around. Now, if you don't have an anointing from the Holy One, yeah, you can get caught up in all that. But if you have an anointing from the Holy One, everything, everything should be filtered through that anointing. Everything should be filtered through that so that you're... you're you're looking at what's being said and you're listening to your heart. The only thing that should be stirring us up is our faith. Our faith is what should be stirring up our emotions. In other words, our emotions should be being controlled by our spirit. Not by what's going on around us and not what we're hearing with our heads and not all the sensationalism. Everything needs to be put up against that anointing that's in our heart. And, uh, and so if we're going to get stirred up, it's because... The Spirit of God's moving in us. That anointing's moving us. Faith is rising up on the inside. Man, that's what stirs us up. You know, for years, we didn't have any musicians. And, uh, and I went to the Lord, you know, about it. And I said, Lord, I said, we need praise and worship to stir up the people. We need praise and worship to stir up the people, you know, because people are just kind of staring at me. And they're not really excited. And the Lord rebuked me. And on the inside, these words came, this thought came very strong. And it was, praise and worship isn't to stir up the people, but is the result of a stirred people. And then I began to realize that we praise and worship God because of faith in Him. Not because of sounds. Not because of instruments. Not because of good feelings. It's because of faith. And then the music comes along and complements that. It assists us. And we, we can flow in a nice river of faith together. As we praise and worship God. But we're not just waiting for stimulation before we praise and worship God. That wouldn't be praise and worship. That would just be more of kind of entertaining you. And getting your soul excited. But no, we don't, want, we don't want to just get your soul excited. We want your faith to rise up. And take control of your soul. And praise and worship God. You follow me? So it comes. In other words, we live out of the depth of us. 
We live out of our spirit and we follow the spirit of God, which is that anointing that's on the inside of us. And so we're not so easily tricked and snared and moved by the things that are going on around us. And if there's something you're just not sure about, then just wait on it and just, just, just listen to it. Just listen on the inside. Just listen on the inside. Just follow it on the inside. And sometimes, you know, there's things that happen. I've had plenty of things. People have said things to me, said things over me. I've had all kinds of things happen. And my spirit just wasn't moved by it. Didn't seem to connect with my spirit. And so it wasn't, it wasn't a bad thing. It was a nice thing. It wasn't, it wasn't something that was contrary to, you know, the course that God has me on or anything. But it just didn't, it just didn't register on the inside. I just didn't feel it on the inside. So I just take those things and just sit them on a shelf. I just sit them on a shelf. I'm not going to sit there and just get all wound up just because it sounded great. I'm not going to just respond to something according to the flesh. So sometimes you don't know. If you don't have anything on the well, just sit that on the shelf and then just keep moving forward with what you do know. We're talking about being led by the Spirit of God. Amen? So regardless of all the kind of false media and all the deception in the world, you and I don't need to be caught. It's only going to get worse in these last days, folks. We ain't seen nothing yet. The Bible tells us it's only going to get darker. Uh, gross darkness is going to cover the peoples of the earth, the Bible says. So it's only going to get darker, which means more deception. More lies that appear to be truth. Even in the church. Even with the Antichrist spirit. He's going to come across as something very Christ-like. He's not going to come across Antichrist. So we have to be aware of that. All right? So praise God. So we don't react to the crowd. And so here Stephen is set up by these guys. This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. Well, did you ever hear him say anything blasphemous? Did you ever hear him say anything blasphemous? Well, you know, I heard, well, I didn't, I didn't hear him say, I heard somebody say he said, but I didn't hear him say it. Right? We should, we should want to, you know, if, if all we ever hear is something the complete opposite of what other people are saying that they're saying, then we, I think we just got to go back to what they're saying. I just, I know that person and that's it's not what I've seen, so I'm not sure what you're seeing. You might, I don't know. You might be doing something that's causing you to not see correctly. Verse 15. And all who sat in the council looking steadfastly at him saw his face as the face of an angel. Notice this. All this is getting stirred up around him. And, and it's against him. It's not just stirred up around him. It's stirred up against him. And he's just got total peace. He's just got total peace. Stephen is not moved by any of it. And that goes along with what it says in the beginning in verse 8, that he was a man full of faith. A man full of faith. You know, faith rests. No matter what kind of turmoil is going on around it, faith rests. I mean, you got people lying about you. I mean, these are professional liars. You know, this isn't just Mary down the road, you know. And she's offended and she made up a story about you or something like that. I mean, these are professional liars and they're spreading this thing through the media. It's going everywhere fast. And everybody's starting to believe lies about you. What happens to you when everybody starts believing lies about you? 
what happens to you? Stephen, he just remained angelic looking. He just stayed in the peace of God. In other words, he looked like something from heaven. He had a heavenly glow about him, a heavenly peace upon him. He wasn't moved by all this stuff that was going on. Isn't that a great place to live? Hallelujah, man. That's how God's called us to live. That's what faith will do for you. Man, walking in the faith and power of God just caused you to rest. Caused you to rest no matter what's going on. Hallelujah. See, really, I've already retired. Yeah, some of you are waiting to retire. You know, in so many years you plan on retiring. Why don't you just go ahead and do it today? Just, just retire from laboring in the flesh, laboring in your, from your own works. You know, like it talks about here in Hebrews chapter 4. Hold your place. Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Oh, thank God for the rest of God. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. The Bible says it'll guard your heart and your mind. Literally, it translates, it'll set a garrison around your heart and mind. It'd be like having Fort Knox all around you. Just right there in Fort Knox with all the military personnel surrounding you. That's what the, that's what the peace of God will do for you. That's pretty secure. You and I aren't to live an insecure life. We should be so secure. We should be the most secure people on the face of the earth. Just secure in God. Trusting in Him. Because that's what faith does, right? Faith is trusting in Him. And he says here in uh, Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 3, For we who have believed, it's talking about faith, do enter that rest. So notice... If you're believing your, huh? If you're believing your, your rest. It's not a trick question. The answer is right there in front of you. If you're believing, you're worrying. I mean, if you really cared about people, you'd worry. Is that what it says? No, 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 no. And yet that's how a lot of people think, right? They got to, they gotta, even when they're not worried, they got to look like they're worried. Oh, Oh, well, why? Because they have to make people feel like they care. But worrying isn't showing that you care. It's just showing that you're not in faith. It's just showing you're not in faith. I want to be in faith no matter how it appears to people. And sometimes faith can appear insensitive. It could look like you don't care. I mean, how many times was Jesus, Jesus, accused of not caring? I mean, the boat is out there on, on the lake, and it looks like it's sinking, and Jesus is sleeping. And Peter comes running in there and says, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? He didn't, he didn't think Jesus cared. But Jesus was in total peace. He was in the faith rest. He wasn't trusting in Peter, trust me. He wasn't trusting in him as the captain of the ship. I could tell you that. I'm not trusting in the pilot of a plane that I get in. I'm not trusting in the driver of a car, in the car that I get in. I'm going to trust in God. I wouldn't, if I had surgery, I wouldn't trust in the surgeon that's doing the surgery. I would trust in God. 
to work through that surgeon, you know, uh, to work through that doctor, work through that pilot, work through. I mean, pilots fly their best when I get on the plane. Why? Because I'm trusting God, and it puts God's hand on that pilot and says, uh, you're going to have to do it this way because I got someone back here trusting me. I got somebody trusting me back here. So same with the surgeons. That surgeon walks out there and goes, that's the best surgery I ever did. Wow, I'm getting pretty good. It's like, no, it's because who you did the surgery on. Folks were in faith about it. That's what made the difference. Faith makes the difference. Woo, hallelujah. He who believed, do enter that rest. Verse 9. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For, we, for he who has entered his rest has himself ceased from his works as God did from his. In other words, he has retired. He has ceased from his works. In other words, it's no longer you doing the work, but it's Christ working in and through you. Right? Because everything you're doing, you're doing by the grace of God. If you're doing it in faith, then you're doing it by the grace and ability of God. You're doing it, you're working, but it's really God who's working through you. You've ceased from your own labors. Or we could say, you've ceased from doing it on your own. You're not working on your own. You're resting in Him. And He's working through you, He's working beside you, He's working with you. It's through God that we're getting the job done. Amen. Think of how much more energy you'd all have here this morning. If you'd been resting all week. Some of you look like you've been working. Man, I've been burning it at both ends. I know, I could see. God bless you. God's got a word for you this morning. Knock it off. Get in faith. Trust in Him. And you won't grow so weary in well-doing. We see a lot of folks, they pride themselves. I've had a hard week, and I've had it hard, and this, that, and the next thing. What does that mean? Does that mean you're worn out? Does that mean you need a violin? You need some sympathy? What, what, what? You had a hard, oh, you've, oh, you had a hard week. Welcome to the world. Welcome to the world, man. Oh, pastor, you just never have any problems. Well, I got you, babe. So that can't be true. <laughs> People come to my office, you don't have any problems. Well, <laughs> welcome to my, I got one in my office right now. They think, they think you don't have any problems because you got peace. They think you don't have any problems because you don't walk around worried about your nails. They, they think you don't have any issues, you don't have any problems going on because, you know, because you're resting. That's how it should be for Christians. People have to really struggle to find the problems. They can't find the problems because you got peace, because you got faith, because you got faith in God. Yes. Hallelujah. Praise God. You need to know that so you can judge yourself rather than pat yourself on the back next time for working so hard and being so worn out. I just don't have any left for you, Margaret. 
I don't have anything left. I mean, I'm at my ends, you know. I'm at the end of my rope. Well, praise God. You need to get roped to the Lord. You get tied to him. Then you won't come to the end of your rope. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. It won't be about your rope. It'll be about his rope. He's got a long rope. Amen. Right? It's called long suffering. That's the name of his rope. Long suffering. <laughs> Hallelujah. And kind. Long suffering and kind. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I didn't mean to get off on all that, but obviously the Holy Spirit did. Somebody say peace. peace. Through rest. Through faith. Amen. So we don't get all stirred up like, like so many people do. Now, chapter 7. Then the high priest said, are these things so? And he said, Stephen said, brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. And said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. And he starts preaching this beautiful message. All through chapters, most of chapter 7 is just this beautiful message. And he's just preaching. Preaching the Old Testament. Preaching the word of God. But I, I want you to notice how he starts this message off. You know, it says, he said, brethren and fathers. I mean, that's so respectful, isn't it? He's just loving them. He's just so sweet to them. He's honoring them, brethren and fathers. But as he's going through this message, his utterance begins to change. He starts, starts getting a little bit more intense as he's ministering. You know, you know, how people know when you're ministering to people by faith, it's the Spirit of God that we're looking to for utterance. He's giving the words that need to be spoken. So, you know, he's flowing along here and obviously can perceive that people are not receiving. They're not getting this. They're not, they're not accepting the word that's being preached. And so he's starting to feel an intensity rising up on the inside of him. So he starts off with brethren and fathers. And by the time we get to verse 51 in his message, he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. And he just went from brethren and fathers. This is all the same message. This is, this is like the same Sunday service. I mean, this is a serious swing. I mean, it starts off, it's all smiles. And then, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hard in ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. So, you know, he starts out wooing these guys, but then it intensifies, and now he is giving some pretty harsh correction. And how many people know both are the Holy Spirit? Both is the gospel. Bo both, both parts of this message is God. Not just half of it. Not just the happy part. Both parts are God. And so sometimes the Lord has to get a little harsh in his talking to people. 
Sometimes he's got to get a little harsh. The Bible says harsh correction is for those who forsake the way. People that forsake the way, they're not going to go the right way, then sometimes you've got to get harsh with them. Over in Jude, chapter uh, 1, verse 22, it says, And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Notice that. Some have compassion. Sometimes, you know, you're ministering and you're very compassionate. And then other times it has to get a little fiery. And you have to use some fear to try to get people to respond to the Lord, to save them. Notice, ultimately here in Jude, he's talking about being saved. He's saying, on some have compassion, making a difference, but others save with fear. This isn't just Stephen getting angry. This isn't just Stephen. Now he's mad at everybody. Man, he started out liking everybody. Now he's just mad at everybody. You know, he's just all frustrated and he's just upset. No, no, no. He's yielding to the Holy Spirit and he's recognizing through the Holy Spirit that he needs to put the fear of God in these people. They are not responding to this word. They're getting more and more obnoxious sitting here, hearing the gospel being preached. Isn't that a sad thing? That the word of God could be being preached by someone as powerful as Stephen flowing in the Holy Spirit, and yet people are hardening their heart, stiffening their necks. They're not listening. They're not receiving it. They're rejecting it. Some might be sitting there just thinking, I know this. Well, if he knew what I went through this week. Well, well I'm just not sure about it. And all the doubt and unbelief. And you got, you got Stephen, full of faith and power ministering, and people aren't getting it. Isn't that a terrible thing? Well, see, we need to take heed to that and recognize that could happen to any one of us. We could be in a place where God is talking and we're not listening. We're hearing, but we're not listening. We're hearing, but we're not there. We're not, we're not paying attention. Or in our hearts, we're actually rejecting it. We're rejecting what's being spoken. And per- perhaps there was a lot of people here, they're rejecting Stephen based on what they just heard about him. They've just heard all these lies about this guy. They heard all these rumors about him. And, and now he's up there, and, and yeah, he's preaching a message, but they can't hear the message that's being preached because their heads are so full of all this other stuff, all this negative thinking, all this negative thinking. You've got to watch yourself. You know, you, you go through a week of just listening to negative thinking and talking negative talk, and then you sit down in the presence of God, and God wants to talk to you, and you can't receive anything because it's got to go through all this mess. The, word, the word's hitting you, and for some it just it bounces off. For some it, it just rolls off them. Some people it goes in, and then it's this, it's this, this wilderness. It's, all, these, it's all, this, all this darkness and all this confusion and all these thoughts that are contrary to God, contrary to the Word, and, and the Word is trying to get through that, and it, it, can't, it can't penetrate. It can't penetrate through it. So sometimes, you know, the Lord will direct the preaching in a way that just starts cutting at the roots and just hacking away and trying to clear a path. But, you know, we have a limited amount of time in our services. And so because of that, sometimes just about the time you cut through and there's the light of day, well, we got to go now. And people don't get 
really what God had for them to receive. So we have to protect ourselves. How many people believe it's important to get what God's got for you? Whether it's a church or anywhere. You know, every day God wants to talk to you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to help you. But you've got to watch about just sowing thorns and weeds and all this negativity and all this garbage into your mind. We need to attack negativity with the positive word of God. Amen. Come on. You, 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 you got it. When stuff comes in, speak the word of God. Just start declaring the word. I hope it doesn't get old to you saying things like, no weapon formed against me will prosper. I have the mind of Christ. If God be for me, who can be against me? Come on. I mean, speaking his word, I'm more than a common. I'm strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. I mean, you shouldn't get old to us. You speak these things. You declare these things over yourself. All the time. Especially when negativity is trying to come at you. Stuff is trying to get you off course and fill your head. So, you know, people probably there, they're just filled with all this negativity. They can't even hear what Stephen's saying. Can't even hear it. You know, I've had times, I'm, I'm preaching along, and I'm ministering good news, man. And the more I'm talking about it, I mean, the smile in here is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, I got this big smiley face on the inside. I'm getting more and more happy on the inside as I'm ministering the word. But then you got people that are just getting more and more. I mean, they just look, they're getting more and more angry. They're just getting more and more frustrated. What time is it? They're missing the whole thing. Missing the whole thing. We don't want to be a people that, that miss anything, let alone all of it. We want to get everything God's got for us. Can you say amen? amen. So... He lets them have it. Verse 54, it says, when they heard these things, I mean, they, they didn't like them to begin with. Now he's trying to save them with fear. He's trying to say, you know, you're a bunch of stiff, you got, please look at yourself. You stiff-necked, hard-hearted, nasty group of people. You're acting just like your fathers who murdered the prophets. Yeah, you're acting just like them. I mean, they didn't like him before he did it. And uh, they're still not liking him. It gets only worse. This, verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. Now, this is interesting. Notice that, uh, that, that phrase, they were cut to the heart. That's conviction. How many people know the word of God is like a two-edged sword? It slices and dices. Praise God. And so he gets to preach in there and just zoom, just cuts him right across their midsection, you know. It just cuts to the heart, convicts him. And what was their response? They gnashed at him with their teeth. Now that's very interesting because if you go to Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, we see the same language there in verse 37. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what they did. They repented and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? Notice it's the same exact language. They were cut to the heart. Verse 54 of chapter 7. They were cut to the heart. And what did they do? They gnashed 
at him with their teeth. They gnashed at him. I don't know what that looked like. They gnashed at him with their teeth. That was their response to being cut to the heart. But here in Acts 2, verse 55, notice what uh, verse 37, they were cut to the heart and said, what shall we do? What do we need to do? What do we need to change? What adjustments do we need to make? I mean, Peter was laying into them, just like Stephen was laying into this crowd. Peter was laying into that crowd, man, telling them they crucified the Lord of glory and they're murderers and all. Just a lot of the same things. And they were cut to the heart and responded in humility. Isn't that interesting? Both were cut to the heart, but both responded completely different. Proving that it's really not about who's saying it to you and how it's being said to you and what's being said, but it has everything to do with you and what's going on in you. It's all about what's going on in you. If you have a problem, it's not, it's not somebody else. It's you've got a problem. You've got a problem that you need to get fixed. If you get offended, if you get hurt, if you get angry, that's all on you. No, you don't know what they said. doesn't matter. We just see that right here in the Word. Two people can have the same exact thing happen to them and respond completely different. How do you respond to things? See, we'll never get that changed if we always think it's because of the other person. We'll never get it changed if we're always looking around at other people and saying, well, it's because of them, it's because of you know, my, my, my lot in life and what I've been given or what I, what's been, what I haven't gotten or you know, how these people have treated me and that's why I'm like this. And it's, no, it's nobody's fault but your own. And once you know that, then you can take responsibility and actually get it. What must I do? That's what they said to Peter. What must, what must we do? What should I do? What, do? what do I need to change? What do I need to change? So, I mean, you and I are a full-time job for ourselves. We really don't, I, you know, you really don't have time to be trying to take uh, the speck out of other people's eyes. That plank, man. Come on, somebody. I mean, you got to bring in power tools. And we got to get, we, we get that plank out of there. That's a full-time job, just seeing you clearly. Seeing yourself clearly. Praise God. Then, of course, once you see yourself clearly, it's easy to help other people, Jesus said. That's easy to help other people. They won't, other people won't wear you out. Their problems won't, other people's problems will never wear you out. What wears you out is you. And you think it's the other people. They're wearing me out. No. You are worn out because you're worn out by you. And they're just getting to be a part of it. They're just a part of the experience of you being worn out. Are you guys all happy today, y'all? This, this is all, we're still preaching good news. To me, it's good news. Why? Because it means I can get control. It means I can get this fixed. It means I'm not a victim of you. I'm not a victim of other people. This is good news to me. That I can rise up and just have faith in God and overcome the world, overcome all these things. Not be a victim to anything. Not be controlled by my emotions. Not be controlled by my feelings. Not by controlled by other people. Wow, you talk about freedom. You talk about liberty. That's an awesome place to be. This is what he's telling us today. I said, this is what he's telling us today. Can you say amen? So how you respond 
is a reflection of you, not the way someone else is treating you. It's not the way someone else is treating you, so just forget about that. Just thank them for showing it up. Thank them for helping you. Verse 55. But he, talking about Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit. That's how he endured all this. Understand that. He's not doing this because he's a great guy. It's because he's got a great God. Stephen's an amazing guy. No, he's got an amazing God, and he just knows it. You got the same God. I said you got the same amazing, awesome God. Hallelujah. So all we have to do is just have faith in him. And awesome things will happen. He being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He's having an open vision. He's seeing this with his eyes open and he's telling them to look, expecting them to see what he sees. Because it's just like, it's as clear to him as anything in the natural that he can see. And he's expecting everybody to see it, but he's the only one that can see it. God opened his eyes. It's called an open vision. God has opened his eyes and he can see over into that, into that other realm. And notice what he sees. He sees Jesus. He sees the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14 says, If you are reproached for the name of Christ, how many people know that's what's happening to Stephen? He's reproached for the name of Christ. Blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. Hallelujah. What's it saying? It's saying if, if you stand up for the gospel and you're enduring persecution, you're being reproached for the gospel's sake, the Bible says God's glory, his spirit of glory, the manifest, which is the manifested awesomeness of God, will be revealed to you, will come upon you. The spirit of glory and of God will come upon your life. That's why, you know, you look through history at all the different ones that were martyred for the gospel. You read uh, the Fox's Book of Martyrs. It goes back to the first century and beyond and just talks about all the different Christians, that were, how brutally they were tortured and killed. And I remember when I was a new believer, I got my hands on that and I began to, I began to read it. I, I couldn't read it anymore of it. I, it was overwhelming. I'm really actually a bit terrifying to think that humans could be so cruel to do that to these beautiful Christians. But they did some of the most wickedest, wickedest things. And yet so many of these Christians went to their deaths, went, went to their torture chambers joyfully. They went in peace they counted it an honor to suffer the way they did. And they gladly gave their lives for the gospel's sake, for the Lord Jesus' sake. They gladly gave their lives. And it's just the most amazing thing. And throughout history, people have laid down their lives this way. How can they do that joyfully? How can you do that in peace? The spirit of glory. The spirit of God being upon your life. It's God being upon your life, empowering you, enabling you. 
He's the one that's enabling you to be able to do that. You're aware of him, his manifested presence. Nobody else was aware of it, but Stephen was. He, also, he, he was just about to die, and he became very aware of the glory of God. God began to manifest to him, Jesus. And notice, it says, and Jesus was standing at the right hand of God. Now, that's very interesting, because the Bible tells us that he is seated at the right hand of God. He is seated at the right hand of God. And yet here, Jesus is standing, which means what? Which means Jesus stood up. He stood up because Stephen had stood up for the gospel. Stephen stood up for him, and so Jesus himself stood up from his throne because of what Stephen was doing. Think about that. You know, all heaven sees that. I mean, to move the king of kings, to move God Almighty, to stand up, to salute you, to stand up for you. And I don't know, he stood up, and maybe he just stood up to welcome Stephen into heaven. Or maybe he stood up and was ready to deliver Stephen, whichever Stephen wanted. Do you want to be delivered? I'm ready. Do you want to come to heaven? I'm ready to grab you. He stood up and he's ready to either deliver him or welcome him. But you know what? That falls on Stephen. It's whatever he wants. It's whatever he wants. And I think once Stephen looked up and saw the glory of God and Jesus, he's probably done with being here anyway. He's been like, just hit me with your best shot. Send me there. Send me over there. You know, people that have that reality of heaven, eternal life, uh, they're not worried about dying. They're looking forward to it. They're looking forward to it. Some people, they've had such experiences with God, and it's just, it's so real to them. You know, it's an effort for them to actually stay here. It's an effort to stay here because their hearts are in heaven. They, they want to go. Paul the Apostle had that problem. He said... You know, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain here with you is needful. <laughs> he said, I'm, I'm torn between the two. I mean, I have a desire to go, but I know you need me to stay. I'm torn between the two. That's a great place to be. Don't you think? Rather than just, oh, my God, I think we're going to die. So afraid of dying, just afraid to die. I don't want to die. Oh, and everybody's so afraid. Of, oh, they're going to die. They're going to die. And everybody's worried about dying. Man, as Christians, that should never be a worry. It should actually be, well, that'd be awesome. But I got a few more things I need to get done down here for your all sake. So uh, I'm going to stick around. Amen. That, that's how it should be. It shouldn't be like we're just, we're, we're trying to just stay here. You know, we're trying to, we're trying to, we're trying to escape death because of the very fear of dying. That, that should never be the case. It should be because, no, we're on a mission from God and we're going to finish our job. I want to get to the Lord, you know, stand before him and say, I did it. And he looks and says, yeah, you did. Well done. You finished the whole thing. I want to finish the whole thing. How about you? I don't want to just do a little bit of it. I want to finish the whole thing. Amen. Amen. 
So Stephen, you know, he saw that and he left. Now, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they're no different than Stephen. They were taken. They were threatened. They were going to be thrown in a fiery furnace. And they said, no, we're, we're not going to die. We're not going to burn. We're not going to bow to your idol, and we're not going to burn. And so they were taken, thrown in a fiery furnace, and they didn't, they didn't burn. The only thing that burned was the ropes that hadn't bound when they were thrown in the fire. Jesus, again, stood in the midst of them in that fire. The king, King Nebuchadnezzar, I'm talking about. King Nebuchadnezzar looked, and he said, did we not throw three men in this fiery furnace? How is it there's a fourth man in there? And he's like the son of God. Literally, it was, he's like the son of the gods. And Jesus was standing right there in the fire. See, they stood up for the truth. And Jesus stood with them in the fire. Come on, man. Think about that. When get excited. When persecution comes, that's an opportunity to get Jesus to stand up right there with you. Come on. He'll stand up. He'll show himself strong on your behalf. If you stand up for him, he will stand up and show himself strong in your life. Can you say amen? amen. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God forever. And so that's exactly what happened to Stephen. Verse 57, then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. That's interesting. We see that in Acts chapter 2 and a couple other places in Acts where God's people were in one accord, right? They came together. They were in one accord in one place. And the power of God came in and moved on their behalf. Now we see this group of folks. They're in one accord to kill Stephen. In other words, they're in one accord with the devil's plans. To carry out the devil's plans. Friend, that's what makes these days different and more perilous. The Bible talks about perilous Perilous times, last days, there'll be perilous times. Well, you say, well, there's always been perilous times. Man, nothing's different. It's always been perilous. Well, it, it, the reason why it points out the last days as being more perilous is because the world of the wicked are coming together in one accord to carry out this antichrist agenda in the earth that the book of Revelation and the prophet Daniel and different ones talk about. They're coming together. And what happens when evil comes together in one accord? Well, what, what happened when the church came together in one accord? When believers, 120 came together, 120 came together in one accord. What happened? Man, it released such power from heaven. Huh? It was like a, a mighty rushing wind that just came in there, filled the whole house. I mean, it was an incredible move. 3,000 people were saved. Well, on the flip side of that, what happens when the wicked are in one accord? What happens when they get into one accord? It's a very, very dangerous thing. It releases the power of Satan. And the power of Satan is going to be released in these last days. Deception and darkness and evil is going to be released. And it's starting to be released in these last days like never before. There's always been evil. Hitler was evil. I mean, there's been a lot of evil things. But this is going to be like never before because they're coming together as one accord. And they're going to release great supernatural power. In the earth. So you and I need to be in one accord. And we need to be walking in the supernatural power of God like never before. Come on, it's not business as usual. Got to keep ourselves alert. Full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost. 
Why? Because when the devil is released like that through the one accord of unbelievers, when he's released like that, his temptations take on another whole level of, of pull. They will, it will pull you. It'll pull you. You play around with darkness, and boom, it'll pull you right into it. You'll never get out of it. It'll pull you right into hell. I don't care what kind of believer you are. I don't care if you're a minister. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Pull you right into hell. It, it's like a riptide, you know? There's been people that have been killed because they're out in the ocean, and they get caught in a riptide. And, you know, they just thought, they just, they just ride the waves in, you know? Couldn't do it. Something, something gripped them. And just started pulling them. And they couldn't, they couldn't get out of it. They couldn't get out of it. And they were just pulled out to the point where they just drowned. See, spiritually, that's what's going on. And that's what's going to go on in the time and hour that you and I are living in. Some serious, serious supernatural temptations. Deep, deep darkness. Oh, it'll all be packaged pretty much the same way. Temptation and things. Be packed, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Those are the three packages it always comes in. But all the power on it, the pull, the force behind it will be so much greater that you might never get out of it. So we don't even play with it. We're not entertained by it. We don't goof around with it. We're running from it. We're running to the house of God. We're running to the word of God. We're filling ourselves up with the spirit of God. We are like Stephen, full of faith and power. <clears throat> That's how it is for all of us. Full of faith and power. He wasn't an apostle. He was just a layman in the church. And because he was such an honorable guy, living by faith, they exalted him into the helps ministry. And he began to serve tables in the church. Began to help with the finances and things in the church. That's, that, that's all he was. He wasn't some special apostle or anything like that. He was just a man full of faith and power. Full of the Holy Spirit. That's where you and I need to live now. I said, that's where you and I lead to live now. Because just like, just like the power of God came suddenly on the day of Pentecost and the church was empowered with fire from heaven and incredible things happened by the Spirit of God through their lives, suddenly you could be caught in a riptide. You don't know. Suddenly you could be caught in a riptide and be overwhelmed with supernatural darkness just blinding your eyes and turning you into an antichrist. Can you say amen? amen? So am I trying to scare you? Yeah. Wake up. These are perilous times. Perilous times. The waters are dangerous. The waters are very dangerous. We got the red flag up today. Anybody ever go to the beach? You know, and they got the, they got the, they got the different flags. They got the white flag, the yellow flag, and the red flag. And he talks about the riptide. And, and so they let you, oh, it's a white flag day. So it's, it's very nice. There's no real riptide out there. Yellow, be, be watchful, be watchful. And then there's red. You've got to watch yourself, man. You probably should not be in that water. All right? The red flag is up. Don't go in the water. Don't even go there. Listen to the lifeguard or not. That's up to you. Don't even go there. All right, let's look at it again. Verse 50 says, And they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen 
as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Don't you love that? So conscious of his spirit. He, was, he wasn't focusing on, oh, oh, you messed up my mascara. I'm sorry. You me- I'm bleeding. My body is hurting. These stones are hurting me. Well, the stones were hitting him and hurting. There's no doubt about that, but that wasn't his focus. It's like my spirit, Lord. Lord, grab my spirit. Just grab my spirit. You see, he's spirit conscious. That makes going through troublesome times a whole lot easier. When you're spirit conscious, more than flesh conscious. The more flesh conscious you are, I mean, every little thing irritates you. Every little thing bothers you. Distracts you. But we need to be spirit conscious. So they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Notice this. He died willingly and in total control. He was in total control. I mean, he's getting killed, but he's laying his life down. And he's even praying a prayer of forgiveness over these people that are stoning him to death. Come on, somebody. He's being stoned and he's saying, Lord, don't hold this against them. He's, he wants to see them make heaven. He wants to see them get their lives turned around. How many people know, you don't know whether or not somebody can be saved or not. You can't look and say, um, man, that person, that politician for sure, I know I'm thinking of a couple, but <laughs> they're so far gone. I mean, they are a reprobate. Well, unless God told you that, you don't know that. Saul is here. He's a part of this stoning. He's a part of this. And he's a very, very bad dude, this Saul. He is a very, very bad guy, which we will see at another time. But praise God. God is able. I said God is able to take people that look like they're so far gone and they're against you and they're against the church and then they turn out and become your greatest ally. Huh? Maybe Saul got saved Because of Stephen's prayer. I mean, Jesus is standing up. Whatever you want, boy. Maybe maybe it was that prayer. And Saul witnessed this boy calling on God, asking for forgiveness as he's he's being gruesomely killed. And Saul's taking all the sin, and the man prays, Lord, don't hold this against them. And out of that comes Paul the apostle. Saul becomes Paul the apostle. The man that is killing Christians is now out doing everything he can to build God's church. Come on, somebody. We should never give up on anybody. Can you say amen? Amen. Especially Margaret. Can you? You know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, stand on your feet with me. Let's thank God. Thank God. Thank God for the martyrs. Thank God for people that have laid down their life. And what an example they are to us of laying down your life. You know, who knows? We don't know what the future holds. We might be called to lay down our life. We might be called to, to
to, to go to prison. You know, we might have to suffer. Might have to, who knows what we might have to go through before we get out of here and go to heaven. Are we ready for that? I tell you what, I'd, I'd rather go to prison. I'd rather be tortured. I'd rather die than to be so weak I deny the Lord and convert to some kind of false god and spend eternity in hell. How many people know we need to be ready? We need to be ready. We need to be full of faith in the Holy Ghost so that, man, it don't matter what they do to us, we will never turn on the Lord. We will never reject Him. We will never deny Him. We will always stand up for Him. And that starts now. How people know we need to get bold about the gospel now? We need to stand up for the Lord now. Not be ashamed of the gospel. Share it with people. I mean, right now, there's really no danger of being thrown in prison for sharing your faith with somebody. There's no, there's no danger of them being a snitch and going telling the authorities, this guy's trying to convert me to Christianity. And they come and get you. That could, that could come in the days ahead, in our lifetime. So I think we need to get to practicing now. Yes. Why we got this harvest field in front of us and we're able to just minister to people and we're able to, to preach the gospel without any fear of being stoned, without any fear of being imprisoned, without any fear of these things, of being martyred for the gospel's sake. Hallelujah. If we can't do it now, do we really think we'll do it then? So let's get on, the, let's get on it now. I said, let's, let's get on it now. Let's make sure that we're full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.